This morning is a very special morning and a very special day. Like I said earlier, not because we only honor our mothers, but by that I think all women are honored. And if there was ever a group of women or a group of people that are underestimated, especially in the church, I think it's women. I think women often get relegated to the, the womanly task. So usually when you see women serving in church, well, they're serving in the kitchen. They're serving in these, you know, these other areas that we think, well, that, that's a woman's job to do that. But what we're going to see this morning is that women have a vital, necessary role in the church. Women have a vital, necessary role in the church and we don't have to look very far to see that. We see it in Scripture. We see that women were, were vital in the early spread of the Gospel. I mean, after all, who were the first ones to see the risen Lord? It's women. It's not a group of men, not the disciples that saw Him. It was a group of women. Who were the ones who were so faithful and so heavily involved in Paul's ministry as he spread the Gospel around the world? You see it all over his letters. It's women. He's writing all over, and when he gives greetings to places, he doesn't just, you know, he doesn't just talk to the men, but he talks to the ladies. And not only that, you see women carrying the message of the gospel onward. Women are vital to the church, they're vital in the spread of the gospel in the early church, and that didn't just stop. Women are still vital to the church today. Women are still vital to the church. They're underestimated, but nevertheless vital. You know, God created men and women differently. We know that. We know that. Men and women are wired differently. But we need to also realize that even though men and women may have different roles, women still share the same value and importance as men do. Because oftentimes, men say, well, we're given the role of leadership, and so, and we just say, well, you know, get in your place. There's no place in the church for that. Men and women may serve differently, but women are just as vital to the direction and the mission of the church. All that to say, women are not relegated to certain tasks, but the very key essential things that the church ought to be doing, women have to be a part of it. In fact, I would go so far as to say that if leadership in the church is only male, and I'm not talking about pastors, I'm just talking about people who step up and lead in the church, if there are women not present, we're going to not be able to meet the full potential that we could have met. That's why I'm so glad we have women serving on our church council. We have strong ladies who are strong in their faith who step up and serve the church and lead in the church, and I'm so thankful for that. What we're going to see this morning in, in a couple of passages that we're going to look at is that God has given women to the church to accomplish a unique task. A task that would be left undone, most likely, if women were not in the picture. And so we're going to look at Paul writing to two different pastors. And he's going to highlight not just mothers, but he's going to highlight women in general in the church. And the first passage we're going to look at is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
And Paul is going to encourage mothers to disciple your children. To disciple your children. This is what 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy rather says in chapter 1 verse 3. I thank God, Paul writes to Timothy, whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. You know, I realize that the responsibility for raising children in the Lord equally falls on both parents, okay? So don't hear me say that fathers, you're off the hook. But what we see a lot of the time is that the, often the mother has a greater opportunity to invest in her children and a greater opportunity to make disciples of her children in the Lord. And of course, we see that happening in, in 2 Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy and saying, hey, I know uh, that the faith was passed down from your grandmother and your mother to you. Now, we don't know what, what's going on here with, with Timothy's father. Some have speculated that maybe he was a, you know, a, a pagan Greek that you know, probably had nothing to do with the, his religious instruction. But nevertheless, Paul highlights the fact that it is his mother and grandmother that are investing into young Timothy. But not just is their faith being passed down to Timothy, we're going to see something else too, something that is crucial. Now if you flip over to the next page, 2 Timothy 3, you're going to see two different paths that Timothy could have gone on. Two different paths that he could have gone down. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1, says this, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighted down by sins led only by various impulses. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus's and Jambres's folly was also. Laying it out here, a path that we, none of us want to see our children go down. A path of folly, a path of wickedness, a path of unrighteousness. And notice Paul pivots and says, but now you have followed my teaching, my conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured and out of them, all the Lord has rescued me. 
Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have, been, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, faith which is in Christ Jesus. We see two paths here. What made the difference for Timothy to end up the way that he did as opposed to going down the path of unrighteousness and wickedness? Paul lays it clear, it is God's Word that made the difference. We see that in verses 14 and 15. Continue in the things that you have learned because you know where you learned them from. From childhood, you've been acquainted with the Scriptures. What made the difference for Paul, or for Timothy rather, what made the difference for Timothy was the transforming power of the Gospel that is seen in the Scriptures. Okay, so don't think that his mother or his grandmother you know, did something special and that's what put him on this road. That's what put him on a path toward godliness and righteousness. No, it was God's transforming work in the Gospel. And I'm so glad that when God saves us, He transforms us. That God did not leave Timothy just forgiven, but God actually transformed him. God moved him to a different road. And he, He's saying that as, as his mother and his grandmother from childhood were pouring into him the Word of God, eventually, eventually he saw the Gospel. Paul doesn't say it's the Word of God alone that does it, but notice he says, uh, the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through Jesus Christ. So just follow his logic here. Timothy's mother and grandmother taught him the Word of God. And then the Word of God over time began to give him wisdom and change his heart so that he embraced the Gospel and that it transformed him. The word that his mother and grandmother taught him told him that he was unrighteous. It taught him that there was some enmity, there was something wrong with the human race, that there was sin in the picture. And then the Scriptures that he was taught taught him that God was going to send a Savior. The Scriptures that he was taught foretold that a, a Savior would come and live a life that we could not live and die a death that we deserve to die. And the Scriptures that He was taught told Him that we should respond in faith and repentance. And that very same transforming work can be ours. But notice, all of this started when He was young. Taught by His mother and His grandmother. I don't know about you, but that actually that hits home with me. Because I remember when I was a little kid, my mother would do the same things for me. She would tell me stories from the Bible. She would pray over me even when I was an infant and had no idea what was going on. 
And no, my mother didn't save me. But she planted the Word of God in my life. And in due time, eventually, as I dwelled on it more and more, as I heard it preached, and eventually through a lot of other things, I eventually came to Christ. Now, there were a lot of influences on my life that, that caused that to happen, but I don't want to underestimate the, the influence that my mother had on me. And I'm sure many of you have a similar story. What we don't need to miss here in either of these passages is the fact that God allows mothers to have a very distinct impact on their children. A very distinct impact. And so what this tells us is just like Timothy's mother and grandmother, mothers, you too, those of you that God has given motherhood to, should be passing down, just like they did, the faith to your children. Teaching them the Word of God, just as Timothy's mother and grandmother did. In fact, that is the reason, one of the reasons God gives us children is we're not just to be on mission reaching people for Christ outside in our community, but listen, mothers, you have an excellent opportunity to invest in your children and reach them for Christ right there at home. In fact, I would venture to say that in most cases, the mother has a greater opportunity to do so. I do everything that I can, but, uh, but let's be honest, Brittany is, is with them way more than I am on a day-to-day -day basis. Mothers, use that time to invest in your kids. Teach them the Word of God. Even if you're an older mother, even if your kids are grown, don't stop investing. Continue investing in them. Teach them the Word of God. And so my question is, what, what is our priority in parenting? Do we want our kids to be successful in school? I sure hope so. Do we want our kids to, to be successful in their athletics and their, and their playing ball? I sure hope so. But if we raise our children who are good at playing ball, who are good academically, who are good people, respectful people, but we do not invest in them the Word of God, we have failed as parents. And that all starts in many cases with the mother. And so those of you who are mothers, you guys are awesome. You're not going to get it right every time. Your kids, especially young mothers, your kids are going to sometimes get on your nerves. But God gives us grace, so much grace as parents to, pick, to continue on even when we fail to invest in our kids. And dads, let me tell you, you're not off the hook either. Say, well, this is Mother's Day sermon. We're not off the hook either because we're to lead in that. I think it's a shame that in many, in many households, the discipling of the children goes to the mother and that's it. Notice I said earlier, I said that a lot of times mothers have a greater opportunity, but that means that, hey men, we've got to step up and lead in investing in our kids. Our, our wives... And the mothers may have the greater opportunity to invest in our kids, but men, we have to step up and take whatever opportunity we have. That means when we get home after a hard day, we may want to just we may feel like sitting down and giving up and checking out, but that means we have to invest even more in our kids. 
We're not off the hook, guys. But we have to lead in this and do this together with our wives. He speaks to mothers as he talks to Pastor Timothy. Then if you flip the page, he's going to go to another letter and talk to Pastor Titus. So the first thing that we can learn from him as mothers, make disciples of your children. But now he's going to turn his attention to all women. Because it's not just about mothers. We appreciate all women. Whether you're mothers or not. And he addresses all women in their distinct role in the church. Their vital, necessary role in the church in Titus 2. This is what he says to uh, Pastor Titus in Titus 2, starting in verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in the faith, in love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the Word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Paul is telling Titus that he needs to to speak to several groups in the church. He has the older men, the older women, the younger women, and the younger men. And what's interesting is, as as you look through that, Paul tells Titus to invest in the older men. And then he turns his attention and then he says, older women invest in younger women. And then he goes back to Titus and tells Titus to invest in the younger men. Why does he do that? Why doesn't, why doesn't he, Paul charge Titus to go and teach the younger women these things? This is, to me, when I saw this, this was remarkable. The answer is simply that male pastors simply cannot teach women everything that they need to know to practically live out the Gospel. I mean, just look at the things that the younger women are told to do. He he tells them that they are to love their husbands and their children. They are to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to husbands. Now, on the working at home, let me just say, some of you husbands are nudging your wives saying, you know, well, this does not forbid, just, just as an aside, this does not forbid women from working outside the home. Okay, it doesn't forbid that. It doesn't look down on that in any way. It just simply means that God has given some of the day-to-day running of the household to the wives and the mothers. But just out of the six things that he tells the younger women to be and to do, half of those things are things that uh, me as a pastor simply cannot, you know, I can't set an example for you in that. I can teach you what the Word of God says, but I can't can't practically show you how to love your husbands. I can't practically show you how to work at home. I can't practically show you how to be submissive to your husbands. And so, what is so interesting is 
as Paul writes to, to young Titus, he doesn't say go and try to teach him these things and go and try to show him these things. He says, no, invest in the older women and charge them to pour into the younger women. The point, of course, is that all the women in the church should be investing in each other. Because there is something distinct that men cannot do. We can teach the Word. We can tell you what it says, but we can't practically set an example in some areas. Therefore, women, your, your ministry to the church is necessary. And that's not just a being relegated to the kitchen. It's not being relegated to a lesser thing. That is actually what the church is here to do. To make disciples. Jesus tells us that. Go into all the world and make disciples. The mission of the church, make disciples. And here, Paul says, women, you are a part of that. You're not just a lesser you know, th- you know, person that has to serve in these other ways, but no, you are part of the central mission of the church. And the church's mission could not be as good as it could be if you are not involved in it. Women, he says, invest in discipling each other. Invest in growing one another and pouring into one another. And so my question to to you ladies today is how are you serving the body? How are you serving the body? Are you saying, well, you know, that's that's for somebody else to do? Or are you going to say, no, I am vital to the ministry of the church The ministry of the church is not going to be all that God has called it to be unless we have women involved in it. Buying into the central mission of the church. How are you serving the body? Are you doing just the the tasks that you think that women are supposed to do? Or are you leading? Are you aspiring to, to be an example to other people in the church? We see in in Paul addressing these two pastors, women who are mothers, disciple your children. And all women in the church, make disciples of each other. Make disciples of each other. And what we see in these two areas is that God has given women in the church a unique task that only you can accomplish. That only you can accomplish. So this morning, as we transition to a time of invitation and response, if you're here this morning and you are a mother, this morning I invite you to prioritize teaching your children about the Lord. What that means for you is that you resolve to do that this morning. Maybe you you come this morning and say, Lord, I know that I have not been doing a great job at this, but Lord, I want you to give me grace to do this task. Forgive me, Lord, for where I, I failed in this. And Lord, I resolve this morning to do this better for your glory. Older mothers, maybe for you that means that it means that you're going to renew your resolve to start investing even more in your grown children. Just because they're out of your house doesn't mean you you stop investing and stop pouring in. But women in general, to all women, whether God has given you children or not, 
Think of practical steps that you can take to invest in other people. Ladies, for you, some of you, that may mean that you have somebody in mind. You pick out just one person. I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to invest in this lady. And you know what? When this service is over, take action on that. When the service is over, don't just say, well, that's a good thought, but actually go to that person and engage them. Take the next step. Maybe have them over for coffee. Maybe have them over for lunch or for dinner. But take the step to do what Paul is telling Titus needs to happen in the church. Men, don't think y'all are getting out of here without a... This is for us too. Men, we are called to lead our families, especially those of us who are fathers and husbands. Lead our families in setting an example. We need to step up to the plate and lead our families. We need to stop leaving our our wives out there to do the work of discipling our children for us. We need to quit leaving our, our wives out there to be the one in the home that takes our family to church. Men, step up. Let's go to the plate. Let's lead. Let's support our wives. Let's support our wives. And in this morning, I invite you to do that. I invite you to join in your wife in your mother's mission in leading in that. Maybe you're here this morning and we, we, you know, we talk about how Timothy was impacted by the transforming power of the Gospel. Maybe this morning, you may be on that first road. You may be on that first road walking down a road away from the Lord. But I don't want you to miss the gospel that is so central to this, to the text that we were reading. What makes the difference is the transforming power of the gospel. And maybe if you're here this morning and you don't know that, you haven't come to Christ, you don't know that transforming power, today is the day that you can come and say, I want to believe the gospel for the first time. I want to repent of my sins. I want to follow Christ. I want to treasure Him above all else. I want to accept Him as my God, my Savior, my King. And if that's you this morning, I invite you to do that and to respond. Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much. For... The, the ladies in our church. And God, I thank You for the past few years how You've shaped me in my appreciation of the ladies in our church. That you shaped me, Lord, to realize that it's not all about the men doing it on their own, but Lord, we need the other half of the church Lord, our ladies are so precious to us and they're so vital to the mission of the church. And God, we've got a long way to go, those of us who are men. Because, Lord, we, we need to stop. Some of us need to stop devaluing our wives and our mothers. And, Lord, we need to start realizing that they are a part of the mission as well. God, help us 
Help us, Lord, to advance the Gospel. Help us, Lord, to make disciples outside these walls, inside these walls, and Lord, help us to do that at home as well. I pray, Lord, that You would move mightily here this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.